make our confession because the good news is God isn't finished with you yet. Tell that person next to you, God is not finished with you yet. God, God loves you too much to leave you like you are. Let's make our confession. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me. I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Can you say amen? All I need is today, then I can announce it. You can all be seated. Hallelujah. We have another confession I like too. And that is that the word of God is truth. Matter of fact, let's say it. The word of God is truth. If I live the word, I will be blessed. And if I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Tell your neighbor, it is just that simple. Good to see you guys back. Well, the Word of God, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, the Word today, I, I had the message that I've been working on that I felt like the Lord gave me. And uh, I didn't have a, a title for the message. And Pam, uh, Wednesday night, was sharing and, uh, on faith. And, uh, and she said, God is a rewarder. And immediately when she said that, I thought, that's it. That's the title for the message today. So let's all say it. God is a rewarder. And God loves you. And God has a plan for your life. And God wants to bless you financially. He wants to promote you. He wants to take you places where only you can dream about going. But He wants to open the door for you. And in the midst of it, He will prepare us. Because He wants to reward us. He wants us to prosper. He wants to bless us. The nature that you have inside you to desire to bless your children is God's nature. You desire to bless your children and to reward your children. If you're a good parent, you will also, if they have to be disciplined, discipline them, not because you want to discipline them. You don't want to discipline them. You want to bless them, but you discipline them so that they can be put in a position to be blessed and so that they can get the rewards that you want them to have. I've never, when we were raising our younger children, I never disciplined my children because I wanted to. I never wanted to discipline. I always wanted to give them things. That is God's nature, but he will not bless us if we're out of position from where he wants us to be. And so therefore, when we get a hold of the word of God and understand that God loves you, no matter what you ever do with your life, God loves you. God will never stop loving you. But we, when we tap into what God wants us to tap into, then the blessings of God come and they flow. And the message I'm sharing with you uh, uh, today is a message that I learned the hard way over many years. How many of you have learned some things the good way and the easy way? Can I see your hands? How many of you, like me, have learned a lot of things the hard way? It doesn't matter as long as you learn. Tell your neighbor, it doesn't matter as long as you learn. I love to uh, laugh, I love humor, and uh, I, I saw this little story. Sometimes Pam says to me, are you listening to me? Uh, how many of you wives can relate to my wife? You know, are you really listening to me? You, you, can you even hear what I'm saying? Well, we husbands know we have this secret code. It's called selective hearing. And, uh, but, but anyway, this little boy was having some hearing problems, older guy. And so he went to the, uh, 
to the drugstore to see that he, he heard they had hearing aids. <clears throat> so he went in and he said, uh, you, you, you sell hearing aids here? I said, yeah, we do. I said, well, what do they cost? So well, they start at $2 and they go to $2,000. And it says, $2? Yeah, and 2000 Wow. He said, he said, you can buy a hearing aid for $2? Yeah, 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 no problem. He said, well, I'll take the $2 hearing aid. So I gave him a hearing aid. Said, this, here's your hearing aid. Got a little button with a string on it. And he said, you, what do I do with this? He said, you put that little button in your ear and you put the string in your pocket. He said, will this make me hear better? He said, no, but it'll make people talk louder when they see it. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we just need to open ourselves up to say, God, I'm going to listen to you intently. And I'm going to do and be what you've called me to be. And in Hebrews chapter 11, a powerful, powerful scripture to you and for all of us talking about faith, the whole uh, Hebrews chapter 11, but it says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let's say diligently. In other words, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The word, the root to that word is to crave, to be excited, to be intense, to really want to serve, to really uh, vehemently want to do whatever God wants you to do. And when God shows you something to do, you want to do it immediately because of your caring love for God and His for you. And that, so it's always God's will to reward us, but God is a loving Father. So He's going to reward us based on our positioning himself where God wants us to be. Is it the will of God that you be blessed financially? Yes. Is it the will of God that you be healed in your body? Yes. Is it the will of God that his blessings come upon you and overtake you? Yes. But he's not going to spoil you. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you came on the right day. God, God is not going to spoil you. He's just not going to give you whatever you want whenever you want it. He's going to watch to determine if you're going to position yourself and diligently seek Him in everything that we do. When Pam and I first got married, we were, we were fortunate to spend our first date anniversary down in Florida. Tremendous blessing. By the way, speaking of Florida, we have been praying in the services since we came back for Mr. Sachs. And I want to continue to pray for David Sachs. Uh, some of you visitors won't know exactly what we're talking about. You can go ahead and put that building up there. But uh, David Sachs owns the building that we have been looking at for a number of years. Uh, David Sachs is an extremely wealthy gentleman in Manhattan, currently in Florida. And uh, he believes that it is the will of God. Now, these are his words that I'm speaking to you. But he believes it's the will of God that we have this building. He believes it's the will of God that, that, that he be instrumental in helping us have this building. He believes, <laughs> he believes it is the will of God for him to help us get into that building. And he believes that if he helps us get into that building, when he gets to heaven, it's going to be a feather in his cap. Well, I want the feather in his cap. <laughs> Glory to God. And uh, he's a wonderful a wonderful man that we had an opportunity uh, again to visit with, uh, Pam, for the first time. And his health is, is uh, he just needs, needs a miracle in his body. So, Father, we lift up David Sachs to you. 
And Lord, we thank you for the words that that man has spoken. There, there is power in words. And he believes that he knows what your will is. He has spoken forth a man who loves you, God, a man who has served you in his faith and says, I believe it's God's will that your church have this building. I believe it will be your legacy to your congregation. So, Father, we take Mr. Sachs at his word. I pray, Lord, that you know more about this than we do. I pray for his health, and I pray that your will shall be done and that we have called this building into the kingdom in the name of Jesus. And everybody that was in agreement said, Amen. Amen. So back to faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. And we know that everything that is of faith pleases God. In other words, when you do what God asks you to do, that is you releasing your faith in God, trusting Him, and then He knows that you can be trusted by Him, but He also knows that you trust God. So let's all say, I trust God. So therefore, when God tells you something to do, you're ready to do it. But when God, and, and I relate a lot of serving God to the military. I love the military, love serving in the military. Uh, in the military, you get promoted based on whether or not you follow the orders. And I remember in boot camp, they, they would watch. I didn't know it at the time. I was scared at the time. But I remember, I remember how in, in boot camp, they would, in reflecting, they would watch what you would do under pressure and if you would follow the orders, if you would do what they told you to do. And, and pretty soon they started hand-picking guys out of the platoons to be squad leaders. And a squad leader had a few extra uh, uh, perks and a few extra privileges and you'd have about 10 men under you and they'd start to pick people out. They were picking people out that would follow orders. You can't take somebody that won't follow orders and promote them because they'll eventually get in trouble and they'll create a problem for themselves. I believe God loves us so much, he will not promote us into a position where we'll get hurt. And, and, and that's why it's so important to walk by faith and not by sight and to realize that God will reward us uh, if, if we're releasing our faith in him. I was listening recently to a message by Joel Osteen. And uh, it was a powerful message, but, but one of the points that really stuck out to me, he was talking about his dad and his, when his father was, was asking him to preach. And he said, my role was behind the camera. Uh, I, I, my, my role was to make my dad look good. And that was what I planned to do for the rest of my life. And I was happy doing it. He said it was, it was something that, that I enjoyed doing. It was something that I kind of could hide out and do, and there wasn't a lot of pressure on me. And uh, so when it, I, I realized that God had me there, getting me ready for where I was going. And he said something so important. He said, I have always been a people pleaser. I never wanted anybody upset. I always wanted people to like me. And I realized that that was a flaw in my character and that I could get by with that behind the camera. 
because I had a group of people that I knew that really liked me. And then he paused and he said, well, at least I think they like me. They acted like they like me. But he said, I had a group of people that, that liked me that was around me and that I never really had a problem with that. But when my dad passed on into heaven and I was promoted into the pulpit, I realized the work that God was doing in my life because then there were a lot of people who didn't like me and who didn't and came against me. If you've ever gone on the internet and pull up Joe Osteen, I think he's a man of God doing a great work, but boy, has he come under attack uh, for, from all sorts of directions. And he said, I was being refined. I was being trained. I was being strengthened in that area of my life. And he said, now, I still like for people to like me, but if people don't like me, it doesn't matter. Turn to your neighbor and say, if, if nobody li likes me, it doesn't really matter. In other words, we're going to go on, not by popular opinion of what other people think about us, but what does God think about you? You are the apple of God's eye. God loves you. God's got a plan for your life. No matter how many times you fall down, if you get up, you'll be okay. And if you'll learn from every mistake you make, now listen to this. This is deep teaching. Turn to your neighbor and say, pay attention. If you learn from every mistake that you ever make, you should be brilliant by now. <laughs> we learn from all of our mistakes. So we, we just keep moving on and on and on. In John chapter 10, verse 10, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, Jesus is describing the devil. And he says, the devil, he wants to kill, destroy, uh, steal and to destroy. But he said, I came so that you would have life and have it more abundantly. That we have over, above, excessive, uh, oh, everything that we have need of to live the abundant life on this earth if we're embracing what God has done for us. So let's just say it. It has always been the will of God to bless his children. Now, I want us to look at also Deuteronomy 28 in the Old Covenant because it has never not been God's will to bless us. It has always been God's will. And sometimes when we get out of God's will and we miss that blessing, uh, it, it, it really takes a toll on us. And it, I believe it's not, it does not please God. It, I don't know about you, but I think I do. It never please me to discipline my children. Never please me. I never wanted to do that. But I knew as a father, if I didn't hold them accountable for certain things, I wouldn't have them prepared for what was coming in their life. And I believe that's the same thing with God. He, does, he doesn't want to discipline us, but he will discipline us in order so that he can bless us. Does that make sense? In other words, if I discipline you to, to do what I'm showing you to do, then I can bless you. But if I can't bless you, I am not pleased. And that's why that scripture, Hebrews 11:6, that faith pleases God. If we're walking by faith and doing what he's shown us to do, he can bless us, and that makes him happy. And that's what he wants. In Deuteronomy 28, this is what it says. Now, it shall come to pass if you diligently, and here's that word again, being fully intent, strong, passionate, uh, uh, quick to do, and, and craving God. 
Now it shall come to pass that if you quickly and obediently obey the voice of the Lord your God and to observe carefully all of his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all of the nations of the earth and all of these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. What's going to happen? All of the blessings of God are going to come upon you. One of the biggest challenges that many people uh, have in serving God in the body of Christ is financial. Uh, there are, uh, with the Dave Ramsey classes that are going on on uh, Tuesday night, I think it's too late to get involved now, isn't it? Yeah, it's too late now. But we're going to do this again. But I, I'm sorry? It's not too late? Okay, show up Tuesday night, and you will be blessed with Dave Ramsey's classes, and uh, we'll have some packets for you and some information. But God wants us to be blessed in every area of our life. Statistically, I have heard that about 80% of the body of Christ is in debt. Statistically, that may or may not be true. I don't know for sure. But I do know this, as Dan said in the first and second offering, God wants you out of debt. Everybody say, God wants me out of debt. Oh, oh, no man, anything but just to love him. It's also statistically stated that less than 10 to 15% of the body of Christ tithe. Now, I know exactly what I'm talking about because I live this message in my life. I did not tithe as a Christian. I did not tithe. Every once in a while I'd give 10% if I felt like I could afford it, but I did not tithe. I did not tithe as a Christian until I met my wife, and I didn't even tithe then until we got married. But Pam had walked with the Lord a lot longer than I had. Pam and I just recently, Pam had a car that we had to turn in, and we, we did some things, and we were with this person. Now, I'm not bragging about what I'm about to tell you. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's not bragging. I have been in debt. I have had the IRS chasing me. I have had all sorts of problems. I've had problems you've heard about. I've had problems you may never hear about because I'm not, not going to tell you. <laughs> I, I haven't reached that level yet. Maybe there will come a day. But, but so, so I've been there. Everybody say, been there, done that. So I know what it was like, and there's no way I could tithe, 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 and that's just the church trying to get more of your money. But when I met Pam, she wanted to get married on that first date. I mean, she was ready. And, 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 and I, said, I said, it might be best if you waited a while. I've got a little financial challenge here. And she said to me, no, 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 no. Well, we got married, and then I think she wished she'd waited. <laughs> but we... Uh, uh, I, I think I brought, what, about 30000 We fi When we finally figured it out, our love cost, my, my love for her cost her $30,000. <laughs> but, but God brought us through. God took care of all of it. Took care of all of it. But we were sitting in this situation with this car we were looking at and, uh, for her. And uh, the lady, it, it almost made me cry. The lady said, do you realize, now I'm saying this to you, from a man who was $30,000 in debt, couldn't pay his bill, and the IRS wanted to do all sorts of bad things to me. <laughs> she said, do you realize that your credit score 
is in the one percentile of the country. And I turned to my wife with tears in my eyes. I really did. I was starting to tear up. And I said, it's all because of God and my wife that that credit score exists. Because we established the desire to tithe based on the word of God. And there was a time, for all of you that aren't tithers, there was a time when I still was not tithing in the church, in Bible school, and I don't know if I'd go on part-time or not. I think I was part-time on the staff there. But I still wasn't tithing. And one day we had taken a group of students down to Mexico for the Bible school. And I came back and we didn't have any money for groceries. And uh, it was just really destitute. I was only making about minimum wage, not being able to provide for my family. And I looked in our checkbook to see if I'd made a mistake in the checkbook on tithing. I mean on, well, yeah, not on tithing, on, on addition. I was hoping I'd screwed up an additional thing and had more money than I thought, but it, it, it wasn't. But I did find a check in there, an old check that we hadn't put in that I thought I had for $100. It was the tithe check. And uh, I took it to Pam, and uh, I said, hey, honey, I found a $100 tithe check. We got this $100. If I don't turn this money into the church, we can get the groceries and do what we need to do, and we'll be okay. And she just looked at me. Now, Pam had walked with the Lord a lot longer than I had. How many of you husbands know the look when you get it from your wife? How, can I see your hand? You, you know the look. You, you know what? And she just looked at me, and she said, which was really what, what it was awesome. She said, whatever you think, go ahead and do it. I thought, crap, I didn't want to hear that. <laughs> I knew what that meant. I knew what I had to do. And I remember going over to the accounting department, turning it in, going back into a little cubbyhole office that I had, sat at my desk and cried. And I said, God, I don't know what to do. I'm a man. I'm supposed to be providing for my family. I can't do it. I just don't know what to do. But I gave the check, and I sat there. That was about 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. 6 o'clock that night, a lady, uh, June Austin, a Bible school teacher in our Bible school, came into my office she said, Bill, God spoke to me today and said, I need to bring you $100 right away, and you'll know exactly what this is for. And handed me $100. Glory to God. I have never since that moment not tithed. Pam had always tithed. I had not. But that settled the issue because I know this. I have watched the windows of heaven open for us. There have been times I thought, God, these windows are opening slower than I thought. <laughs> Glory to God. But then I watched those windows open. It's like, oh, God, you are so good. We're one minute away from financial breakthrough. And I say this to all of you that are not tithers. I love you, and I'm glad you're in this church. Spend the rest of your life not tithing. But I want you to know this. If you do, you will present yourself away from the will of God windows of heaven will not open and they will not take care of what you need to be taken care of if you tithe god will open the windows of heaven and i have lived it I, there is no way you you could make me you could offer me money you want to no you could you could offer me money not the tithe and i would not take it glory to god so let's all say it tithing works, tithing works. now i want to share with you uh, four things that God put in my heart because they're, they're so important that we get a hold of this message. 
How many of you have ever been in a holding pattern on an airplane, coming into an airport? You know, storm, something going on on the ground, and the holding pattern here, or maybe, I, I just read the other day where a plane was on the ground for 12 hours. Uh, for, I, I can't believe it, but I'm pretty sure it was correct. They said it was 12 hours on a tarmac sitting there. I can't imagine that, but you get in a holding pattern, and you just go round and round and round and round, and then sometimes they, you know, they'll divert that plane, and different things will happen, and, and, and it, it gets to be monotonous. I believe there's a spiritual holding pattern that God has because he loves us. And he puts us in this spiritual holding pattern sometimes until we get it. Everybody say, until I get it. In other words, he, he knows where he wants to take you to, but he can't take you there until you get established the things in your life so that you're ready to go. And the four things that God put into my heart regarding being rewarded by God is, number one, so you, you are a creature of habit. Turn to your neighbor and tell you, you are a creature of habit. If I throw a ball to you right now, you would catch it in the same hand. You probably always catch it, right hand or left hand or whatever. You respond many times the same way. And it works in the natural realm. It works in the self realm. And it works in the spiritual realm. So whatever habit you have developed, then that's what you have. The, the, the number one thing that we need to establish is that no matter what we face, no matter what we're doing, we always seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. In other words, God, what do you say? What is your plan? Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It, it, Jesus is, is summing up. Don't worry. Don't be concerned about your life. Don't be concerned about anything. Always seek first my will. Always seek first the kingdom of God and my righteousness, and then I'll show you everything. You don't have to be concerned about anything. And that's the most important thing. But many times... People with a strong mind, or even if their mind isn't strong, but the first thing that they have a tendency to do is to think for themselves. Now, I want to say that again. The first thing that they have a tendency to do is to think for themselves. It isn't thinking for ourselves. It is thinking what God thinks. And the only way you know what God thinks is to say to God, what do you think? The way that I can find out what my wife thinks is just to go to her and say, Honey, what do you think? And believe me, she will tell me. <laughs> no, it's a good thing. We are one in the spirit. She will tell me. So see, if you ask God, how many of you realize? And I want to see your hands because I want to make sure this, this really good. How many of you believe God wants you to know what he thinks? Can I see your hand? Let's all say, I believe God wants me to know what he thinks. God would never not tell you what he wants you to know. So therefore, if you ask God, he will tell you always, always, always. Number two, you have to have faith because faith pleases God. Let's all say, faith pleases God. Mark eleven twenty two. Jesus said, have faith in God. Was he talking about a fig tree? No. I mean, yes, he was talking about victory, but more importantly than that, he was talking about an essence of life. If you have faith in God, 
You can always please God, and you can always be pleasing to God. So therefore, what did God tell me to think? What did God tell me to do? What does God tell me to do? What does God tell me to do in regard to his word and tithing? Okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to trust God. I have faith in God. And God's part is to pour out the blessings upon you because he wants to bless you. Then the third thing, and it's so important, is to obey. A lot of people know what to do, but they don't do it. Let me just see by a show of hands. How many of you know right now things that God has shown you to do, but you aren't doing them? Can you raise your hand? Now, it looks to me like about 60 to 70% of this group right here have not done it. Now, if you know that God wants you to do something and you're not doing it, then God is looking and thinking, well, are they ready for promotion? Because if they've got a challenge they're not dealing with now in doing what I've shown them by faith, how can I promote them where they need to be? Joel Osteen said this, and it was so powerful. He said, if God had promoted me in the state that I was in behind the scenes, this ministry would have destroyed me. It would have crushed me. But I believe that he had shown me areas in my life where I was vulnerable. And because of that, he helped heal me in those areas. And now I'm ready for where he wanted me to go. See, a lot of times we think God is holding us back or the devil's holding us back. Our people are holding us back. Nobody can hold you back if you're doing what God's called you to do. And if you've positioned yourself the way God wants you to do, nobody's going to stop you from accomplishing God's plan. It's not going to happen. Isaiah 119 says, The willing and the obedient will eat the good of the land. It is the willing and the obedient. We're all willing to be blessed by God. We're all willing to have the reward. But are we obedient to do what God has shown us to do? There's a story in... Uh, it's, it's in First um, uh, Samuel. I'll just paraphrase it for you real quickly. But it's a story about uh, God's hand-picked man, Samuel, who became, uh, excuse me, Saul, who became king. And he was told what to do by God regarding some situations, First Samuel 15, 22. And, uh, and, and Saul violates what God told him to do for expediency's sake. In other words, he knew what God told him to do, but he decided not to. And when, when Samuel uh, showed up on the scene, he told Saul, he said, this thing that you do is bad. He said, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Disobedience is rebellion, and rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Rebellion and disobedience is self-seeking. People who don't do what they know they should do are into a mode of self. We've all been there and done that. Let's all say, been there, done that. We've all done that. When you enter into self, James 3.16, it says that self-seeking people will have confusion and every evil work. doesn't mean you're a bad person. It means you're thinking about yourself. You're thinking about what you want to do contrary to the will of God. And the devil is right there with you. And he's ready to kill, steal, and to destroy at a moment's notice. You might look good on the outside, but on the inside, you're just into a self-seeking mode. And when you do that, 
there are flaws. And God knows He can't put you where He wants you to go because you would be hurt. You wouldn't be able to make it and you could hurt others in the process. The fourth step is that you have to be humble before the hand of Almighty God. And humility is so important before God. It says God promotes the humble. God resists the proud, resists the self-seeking, but He promotes the humble. Humility is a total insignificance as to who you are of yourself. Unselfish concern for others. Your whole life is devoted to help other people. A total absence of arrogance and conceit and haughtiness. In other words, you stand, just leave that up there, Father. You stand totally humble before God, saying, God, I will do anything that you ask me to do to serve you and to walk by faith and to be obedient to you. It's not about me. Everything is about you. It's all about you. And when you live that kind of life, God sees a person. He can promote. He can reward. He can bless. But in the Bible, there are some stories about people that God wanted to use, but they, they had a couple of flaws in them. And one of them, it was, was Samuel, or excuse me, it was Saul we just talked about. But another, my, he, one of my heroes in the Old Covenant is Joshua. I love Joshua. Understudy to Moses, was right there for Moses, doing whatever Moses wanted him to do. Then when Moses passed on, God promoted Joshua and said, if you'll meditate the word of God day and night, you will make your way prosperous. You will have good success. And Joshua was the man. And he went to God and he said, God, what do you want me to do? How are we going to take the first battle? We're going into Jericho. Uh, you know, you tell me, God, what to do. He sought first the kingdom of God. And God said, Joshua, here's the battle plan. Folks, for us to say it today, it's easy out of this plan, out of this book. But I tell you, for Joshua to stand before all these hardened fighting men and say, guys, we are prepared for warfare. You got your sword sharpened. You got everything ready to go. But let me tell you, this is the plan. We are going to march around that city one time for six days. On the seventh day, we're going around to seven days. We're going to blow the ram's horn. The walls are going to fall down. And we're going to conquer them. And God gets all the glory. I can just imagine these guys. It doesn't say it in the Word. I can just imagine these guys say, Joshua, would you repeat that? This is far from any of our training. But they did it. They were obedient to God. They had so much love and respect for God. Everything happened just as God said. And Joshua is so excited. But Joshua, he's got a little bit of a flaw. And he didn't even know it. Now it's time for the second battle of Ai. And sometimes some of our biggest concern will be after our biggest victory. Because we think, boy, that was really great. I'm ready for another battle right now. And we go into the next battle, but we're so excited about the victory. We're so excited that God said that everywhere, Joshua, your foot treads, you will take that country. Well, there's more to it than that. Folks, we have the victory. And everywhere we go, we go from victory to victory. But we have to have the plan, too. Everybody say, I need the plan. Sometimes we try to take an old plan and put it onto a new attack, and it's not going to work. God wants credit and glory for everything that we do. I don't know what the plan and how he's going to do the building, but I know this. It is in the realm of the Spirit, and he doesn't need Bill Mickler's plan. He needs his plan to be implemented through us. That's exactly what we're going to do. And so Joshua's getting ready to go up the battle of Ai. Now, there is sin in the camp. Achan made a mistake. But Joshua, the, the, the real problem in my opinion, was not that. The real problem was Joshua didn't consult God. 
God is getting ready, Joshua is getting ready to go to Ai, and he starts talking to the people. There are so many people in the body of Christ that, in my opinion, just gossip with one another instead of talking to God. Are you with me so far, or have you tuned out? They just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. Folks, once you've heard from God, you don't need to talk to other people. <clears throat> he didn't talk to God. He talked to his people. And, and, and I'm paraphrasing all of it, but he said, basically, the people said to Joshua, Joshua, AI is a piece of cake. It's no big deal. You're not going to find that in the Bible. I'm paraphrasing it. AI is a piece of cake. The people are weak. They're not that many. And besides that, our guys are tired. They are tired. They just went through everything at, at the Jericho, although I don't know how they got tired of Jericho. All they did is march. But, but anyway, they said the people are tired. Let's not weary our people out. Let's leave them here. Let's just take a small handful up to Ai, and we'll defeat him quickly. And they moved up there, and they really got beat bad. Come running down the hill, the people of Ai really beat them, and Joshua cries out to the Lord and said, what happened? And he said, Joshua, you got sin in the camp. And not only that, you didn't consult me about this battle, because he consulted people. Some of the biggest challenges we make in the body of Christ, we ask other people what they think. It's okay to talk to somebody once you know what God told you. God told me this, honey, what do you think? She and I are one. But you don't consult with other people once you know what God told you to do. Because when you start doing that, they'll have different ideas. They'll say, well, now I don't know about that. I served a guy in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Billy Joe Doherty. I love him, still love him. He's up in heaven right now. And he one time, he felt like God said that we're going to get a tent. And he was in, encouraged by other people in the congregation and other people in positions of authority. We're going to get this air dome. We're going to build this air dome. Four or five thousand people. And it's well within our, our budget and well within our finances to do it because we can get a loan at the bank and we'll go to the bank and we'll borrow three million dollars. Now today, based on what that man accomplished in changing the world, it seems like far-fetched. He could never have done that. But he, he listened to all these people. And they said, we'll go to the bank, we'll get $3 million, and we'll do it all. We won't have to be worried about raising money. We'll just pay the debt off over a period of time. Went to the, went to the bank, borrowed $3 million. And, oh, what a miracle. We got $3 million. They got $3 million of debt. But they got that $3 million of debt. And then, all of a sudden, the church leveled off. And it started going level like this. The attendance didn't grow. The, the finances weren't coming in. They could only pay off the, the, the interest. They couldn't pay the principal off on that. And, and he didn't know what to do. And he cried out to the Lord. And God spoke to him and said, you missed my plan. You did not have my plan. He listened to other people. And he made it. Now, he didn't, he didn't blame it on other people. He said, I made a mistake. And I miss God. And now I've repented before you. I've repented to God, and God's going to take care of it. Everybody say, I'm a minute away from my breakthrough. For that breakthrough, it took three years, I think, maybe two, two to three years, trying to sell that building. And finally, one day, the breakthrough came. Sam Walton drove down Lewis Avenue, looked at the building, said, what's that? Said, that's a used car dealership that's now a church. He said, how much they want for it? Said, it's a church, got $3 million worth of debt loaded on it. He said, give them $3,100,000. One moment's time, church goes from a $3 million debt to $100,000 in the bank. It had been years since that church had $100,000 in the bank. Glory to God. Let's all say it. Thank you, Jesus. He's no respecter of persons. What he's done for one, he will do for each and every one of us. And when you look 
at what the Word of God has to say, it tells us time and time again, don't be concerned about yourself. Don't be thinking about yourself. He, uh, John chapter 3, uh, excuse me, James chapter 3, verse 16 is such a powerful scripture. When you get into self-thinking, well, this is what I think, and this is what I think we should do, and this is how it affects me, and it's all about me, can't be all about other people, and my God, why shouldn't it be all about me, and what about me, and what about me, and what about me, and the devil comes in and says, you're absolutely right. It's all about you. It's all about you, whatever you think, whatever you think. And then confusion and every evil work are there. Folks, we have the victory. We're going from glory to glory. And if you will understand that God is a rewarder, he loves you, and if there's something that is not coming your way in your life, either he's getting ready to do it and you're getting ready for the breakthrough or he is showing you while you are on this proverbial holding pattern what he wants you to do so he can beam it up to you and say it's time to come off the pattern and it's time to be promoted where I want you to be. Can you say amen to that? Let's all stand to our feet because see God is taking us from glory to glory and I believe that every single one of us has something that God is dealing with us in our life because he loves us and he wants us to be free in that area so we can move forward and accomplish great and mighty exploits. Don't let anything ever hold you back from a self nature, but it's only from a leading of the Holy Spirit. God, here am I. What do you want me to do? Would you bow your heads with me? I want to ask you the most important question you will ever answer. Do you know if you died today, you would go to be with Jesus? Maybe today you're here and you're like a prodigal son, a prodigal daughter. You know you've drifted away from the things of God. The good news is, God loves you. God has a plan for your life. But you've got to give your heart back to God. And if you're here and you say, Pastor, you've described me because I know my life is not right with God. I'm going to ask you to slip your hand in here and we're going to pray for you. Holy Spirit, I know that you know every person here. So I pray, yes, I see your hand all the way back there. Are there others? You say, I, I know my life isn't right, but I want it to be. We're going to take just a moment. See, the Holy Spirit knows exactly where you are. Anyone else? You say, pray for me. Thank you, Lord. Back there? Come on down to the altar. I didn't see the hands, but wherever they are, give them a hand as they come. Yeah, come on down. to have you with us today. Stretch your hand. Is he with you? Come on down. Come on down. Give him all a hand. Stretch your hand out here. We're going to join you as we pray this prayer, okay? Let this be the prayer of your heart. This is a day of new beginning, a new start. Let's pray together. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins. I've sinned. I've made mistakes. 
But today I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my heart. Take control of my life. The true desire of my heart is to serve you and to be all that you've called me to be. Comprende a ministers to this lady how many of you know that there are things that God is showing you to do but you have been reluctant to do them can I see your hands now see God is watching not to punish you or to keep things from you but he wants to be able to bless you, as I said earlier. And if you'll give your heart to the Lord, your life to the Lord, and say, God, here am I. Whatever you want to do in my life, I'll do it. Whatever you want me to give away, wherever you want me to go, I'm going to give it all to you. God will take you places. God will exalt you. God will reward you. God will bless you. God will position everything before you to accomplish for His glory. But you got to take the first step. you got to come out of the boat of comfort and walk on the water and say, God, I have faith in you and trust in you to obey you. And I am humble enough to say, I give you my life. And if in the process I die, who cares? I'm going to serve you the rest of my life. If you get that kind of tenacious faith, every day will be a day. You'll jump out of that bed and you'll say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will be glad in it because I am going from glory to glory. Can you say amen to that? Let me see the hands of all the people. You'll do whatever God tells you to do for the rest of your time on this earth. Father, I pray for every hand that's lifted. Lord, that this is a day of new beginnings. This is a day to serve you, to bring forth your plan, your purpose. We ask your forgiveness for times when we've missed it. But Lord, we'll learn from those times. They were not wasted times. We will learn from those times. And we will submit to your plan, your purpose, your will to accomplish all that you have. In Jesus' name, we decree it. Now, I want us to make this confession before we leave. Lord, here am I, a servant to you. Whatever you desire, I will do. I am on this earth on assignment to accomplish your will. All of the provisions will be there for me. All of the doors will open for me because you go before me. I walk by faith, not by sight. I never think about myself. I think about you and I think about others. Can you say amen to that? Let's give the Lord a hand. Go and be blessed.